Welcome to Birkbeck Voices. I'm Jess Simons, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Tim Reynolds, a senior lecturer from the Department of History, Classics and Archaeology at Birkbeck. Tim's research looks at the relationship between Neanderthals and modern humans, and why it is that modern humans survived when Neanderthals became extinct. While Neanderthals are often thought to be slow, dim-witted and a bit aggressive, the archaeological and fossil records actually paint quite a different picture. Now, Tim will be delivering a talk that explores just that, plus some of the latest discoveries from a Neanderthal burial cave and what the discoveries add to the story of our nearest relatives. That talk will take place on the 17th of April at City and Islington College as part of Bert Beck's Big Ideas series of free public lectures. A link to book your free place to the talk will be in the description of this podcast. And if you're interested in learning more or asking Tim any questions, please do come along. But in the meantime, he joins us now for a bit of a preview. Welcome, Tim. Hello. Now, can you give us a bit of your background and bring us up to date on how you came to study Neanderthals in the first place? Yeah, it goes way back, actually. Um, I actually started being interested in Neanderthals back in 1978 when I was still as a teenager. Wow. And I had the privilege of actually digging with a, a guy called John Weimer actually in, in Norfolk on a site. And his enthusiasm sort of just set me off with stone tools and things. And at the same time, I think it's Scientific American published a thing about Neanderthals. And as a precocious teenager, I thought, oh, I could comment on this. I thought, oh, Neanderthals must have been like us. They must have, you know. So from there on, basically, I've just sort of lucked into a whole series of jobs and experiences that I still have that interest. Fantastic. And how long have you been teaching at Birkbeck for? Uh, 15 years. Wow. It's quite a long time to be <laughs> very interested in this topic. Yeah. All right. Well, you're obviously the man to ask about this. What do you think actually drives our curiosity about Neanderthals? They're essentially they're the, the ancestor we've known longest, and they're also closest to us. So when they were first found, they got into the literature, these images of what they were like and so on. And we use the term Neanderthal now. It's part of the common, common language. We can refer to people as, as Neanderthal, when you think they're being brutal or violent or aggressive and things like this. So we have this image of them, and it's embedded in our culture for over you know, 100, 150 years. And where does the term Neanderthal come from? It, it, it's the Neander Valley in Germany, which is where the second one was actually found. The first one was found in Gibraltar, but uh, they didn't realise it was a fossil human at the time. So we could have been speaking about Gibraltarian man rather than Neanderthal man. Right. And I was <laughs> going to ask you, how did we build the history and the image that's in our heads about the Neanderthals just from the, those first discoveries? Well, the first discoveries, well, the, the, the German discoveries, were initially explained away. They thought this guy was, was a, a, maybe a Cossack who died during the Napoleonic Wars. He had bow legs. So they thought, ah, this guy must be a habitual horse rider. You know, and he had these big brow ridges. And they thought, ah, oh, well, what happened is he, he probably was wounded and you know, crawled into this cave to die, and he's, because of the pain, he sort of furrowed up his face, so he got these big brow ridges. So, you know, plastic bone response to to trauma was was trying to explain him away. But the guy who who found it was firm. No, this is different. This is a fossil, you know. And you know, we built on on our ideas and impressions from there. And I mentioned um, before that there has been quite a recent discovery um, in a new burial cave. Um, so without giving too much away about your talk, what can we expect you to tell us about that new discovery? Right. Well, it's, it's, the cave itself is, is in um, Iraqi Kurdistan, so it's not somewhere that's been researched very, very much. It was originally researched back in the 50s and into the late 60s, and they said they found there essentially 10 Neanderthal bodies, um, deliberately buried, and one of them, it was claimed, had actually been buried with flowers. And some of these flowers were sort of medicinal flowers too. 
So from this, the, the original excavator said, well, you know, these are the first flower people. Talk about timing. <laughs> Published in 71. So right. <laughs> the first flower people, Neanderthals. So going from the, away from this sort of brutal image of what Neanderthals were, he completely sort of rewrote the record. said, no, 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 these guys are caring, sharing folks who looked after the elderly, who buried their, their people with respect and reverence, and, and in some cases used medicinal flowers and herbs. So that sort of leads into the question of how closely related we actually are to the Neanderthals, because, um, you know, that's giving us a real insight into the sort of social uh, parameters that they might have experienced back in the day. Is that right? Are we seeing a picture here of people that have had, you know, religion and love in their lives? And how, how much of a picture can we actually draw about how similar how similar we are? Well, that's why this is so, so interesting at the moment, because we always thought there are separate species from us and, you know, and primitive and crude. DNA now shows we actually interbred with them, which means that, well, we had relations, relationships with them at, at certain levels, which obviously led to, led, led to us actually inheriting their genes. So we must have communicated with them. The big, a big argument is, is, did any species apart from us actually have language? Did they speak? And in, indeed, some people have argued that only modern humans after about 40, 50,000 could speak. So suddenly we've got Neanderthals we're, we're, we're breeding with, perfect partner, just never said anything, yeah. <laughs> who knows? But, but, you know, we need to reconsider what these, these Neanderthals are in terms of the relationships with us, what they could do, the different abilities and so on, and quite how different and distinctive are they? Are they really, truly a separate biological species? Because when I was growing up, a biological species was something that you could breed with itself and produce viable offspring. Well, Neanderthals and modern humans have done that. So again, we're looking at a new point in science where DNA is telling us to, maybe we need to reset our goalposts. We need to, to reconsider what is a species. And so is that what your research here at Birkbeck is largely based around? Well, my research is, is more the behavioural side of it, the archaeology rather than DNA. The biochemistry is um, better done somewhere else, to be honest. So I'm a specialist in stone tools and behaviour and looking at you know what these guys were doing. You know, how, I, I don't want to sort of give away too many secrets, but you know, these Neanderthals were doing things that we thought uh, only modern people could do, and they're doing it with different raw materials from you know, on, on a regional basis. That's fascinating. Well, we're looking forward to finding out more at the talk. Uh, as I mentioned, I'll pop a link to the event in the description of this podcast for the next in Birkbeck's Big Ideas series of free public lectures on the 17th of April at City and Islington College, where you can book your free place. In the meantime, thanks very much for joining us today, Tim. You're welcome.